Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Well, good morning, church. Great to see your faces this morning. I love this church. This is a great church. Logan is a great church. Are you a great church? You, you are a great church. There's so much life in this church. I love it. love being a part of this, uh, the, the world of Gateway, but I love being here with you and Logan. Happy New Year. I know it's a, a week has gone past and, you know, it's really old news now, isn't it? But uh, still, it's nice to see faces that uh, I haven't seen for a, a few months. It's great to have you in church. This morning, if you're relatively new to the Logan community here or to this church, anyhow, uh, look, it's great. You found a good church. If you're looking for a church to, to, to make home, this is a good family church and really I want to encourage you to find your place here, find some people and we'll be on the lookout for you, but uh, you'll be on the lookout for us too and we're gonna, we'll find a way to connect and, and be family together. Pastor Dave's away on holidays at the moment, so um, well-deserved break, we've got to give our pastors a holiday every now and then. And uh, while some of us don't get a holiday, of course, that's, a <laughs> that's the downside of that. Um, but uh, it's, it, look, it is. It's a great time to kick off the year. I hope you've had the chance to have a little bit of a break and take a breath and get something from God over this last few weeks. This morning, uh, we are launching into a series we've called Aussie Psalms. Um, I don't think any Aussie wrote any of the Psalms, if you're thinking that's what we're saying. Um, I think what we're trying to say is there's some great psalms and we in Australia could do with uh, learning the message that that psalm puts in our heart. So us Aussies, any Aussies in the room? Uh, Good. And uh, we're going to look at some psalms over the next couple of weeks during this summer period, So, uh, which will be great. Look, I'd love you to open your Bible this morning with me. We're going to go to Psalm 91. This would have to be my favourite psalm. Um, there's, you know, you probably could say there's there's a hundred great psalms. There's probably 150 of them really that are great psalms. But I love Psalm 91. I love what was written down by Moses. Moses only wrote two psalms. Not everything, by the way, was written by David. David didn't write all the psalms. He wrote about 40 of them. Uh, a bunch of other people wrote psalms, but Moses wrote two. He wrote Psalm 90 and he wrote Psalm 91 and then theologians will argue about the third psalm he may have written. But Psalm 91 is a really incredible psalm because not only is it just declaring the praises of God, but here's the thing I want you to catch this morning. It's actually a roadmap for our walk with God. Moses, remember Moses received the law from God. So he received from God a pattern of how to walk with God. Remember, he instituted that pattern into the nation of Israel. You remember, it was feasts and it was calendar timings and it was the way that we'll do civic duty and the way that we'll operate as a nation. He was very precise. God gave him a very precise plan for how Israel would become a nation, how they would act together, how they would judicially serve together, how they would walk before God and worship God. Very detailed. If you want to really excite yourself, go and read the book of Leviticus and others uh, and you'll see the detailed part of what God did. But Moses received that from God. So it doesn't surprise us that then when Moses was learning to walk with God, that he learned some things about how to do that. So if Moses was going to write the Alpha course today, 
If Moses was going to write a discipleship step-by-step program for how you can get to know God better, it would be Psalm 91. And so that's the thing I want you to grab this morning. And there's something in this that is really worth seeing. There's keys to being successful and overcoming and walking a, a life this year that could be different to the patterns of last year. Who's ready to change some patterns in 2023? My hand is up. I want some new patterns too. You know, I want breakthrough. I want a new declaration in my life. I want a different level of peace and joy and freedom. I mean, we can always find more in the kingdom of God. And so there's something in this this morning that I think we can grab from him. So grab your Bibles. Let's go to Psalm 91. If you don't have your Bible, it will come up on the screen behind me. Let me read it to you. And uh, let's just uh, pull this apart a little bit step by step. Let's just pray before we begin the word of the Lord. Father, this morning we open your word with reverence. We open your word with respect. We treat it cautiously and, and we treat it with faith. God, we know that you're placing in our hands the words of life. And so, God, we, we ask you by your spirit that you would open the eyes of our understanding this morning. God, that as we read your word, we wouldn't just see words on a page. We wouldn't just let them wash over our mind and bounce off our lives, but rather let them penetrate deeply. Let them go inside of our hearts and form us as people this morning, I pray. By your Spirit, we invite you, Holy Spirit, come amongst us today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Psalm 91, verse 1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your right side, at your side, or ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honour him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. There's a map that I want to point to this morning. I'm just going to pop it on the screen if I can. That that I think maps a little bit of the themes of Psalm 91. And this is not a stairway to heaven. Please don't see it that way. This is not you know, the way you get to God. God is with us now. He loves you now. 
He loves you more than he'll ever love you now. He, you can't make him love you more than he loves you now. This is not you getting better for God. This is about your life becoming more like the pattern that God wants for your life. God's your Father in heaven and he sees you in all the fullness of the potential of who you are. You know, if there's times, and, and Melise was prophesying this earlier to us, if there's times where we find ourselves in the cave or in darkness and we're struggling, that's not the heart of our Father that we stay there. God loves you and he's for you and he's cheering you on, but sometimes there's things we've got to do in order to enter into the fullness of who God is. And so God stands ready and he's with us. I think sometimes we expect that God would work sovereignly all the time, that he sees where we are and he just picks us up and drops us over here. That's not the pattern of God really in Scripture at all. There are times that God moves supernaturally and those things happen and he, God's God, he can do what he wants, you know, who's going to stop him? Uh, but mostly what God does is he says, come close to me and then I'll show you. Part of me will rub off on you and you'll learn some things about how your soul works, how your mind works, and you'll be able to walk a straighter path because my ways will get you there. That's, the, that's really what God's about. You're not qualifying for God's grace or mercy. You have it. But you're learning to walk successfully with God. Yes, we face our enemies. But God shows us how to defeat our enemies because it's a partnership between our heart and God's heart. That's always been the mission of God. God's not trying to create robots on the earth. He's not to create people that just do whatever he says because he wills it on them. No, no. He wants you to do what he says because your will wants to do it. It's the heart of relationship. You know, you, you want children who know the heart of who you are and love you for who you are. And learn your ways and walk in the ways that you know are good. That's the same with our Father in heaven. And so that's what this is all about. So what we've got is, I've got level one, level two, but really you might find that you might actually flow between all of these at different times. It's not sequential necessarily. I just want to make sure for those that are going to process this uh, in detail. So we want to win our fight. But oftentimes, and you'll see, and I'll get to this in a minute in the, in the scripture, it's the starting point for us. There's a starting point where God is going to show us there's some stuff, there's some weeds that have grown up in there. We need to pull a few out. Because I can't speak to you, God says, because you're blinded by certain things or you're, you're distracted by certain things. We need to get rid of those things. There's too much noise going on in your heart for the voice of the Lord to get in there. But as he cleans that up, we get clearer. We can hear him. We can become more responsive. And so that's important. We're going to talk about that. We're going to, the next part is growing our faith. So once we're starting to win over some of the enemies of our soul, maybe even the things that have lurked in there, you didn't realize, you know, oh, I get angry all the time. It's just me. I'm angry. Well, God says, well, I'm not happy that you're angry all the time. I want to diffuse that. But once he's done that, then it's grow your faith. One of the great enemies of the human heart is fear. We're afraid of what we can't see and we want to control the world. We want to make sure we're in control. We're the boss. And surrendering to God is one of the hardest things our heart ever does. So that's why we need a little bit of our garden weeded a little in order for us to step in and put our hand and trust in someone we can't see. We don't even know who this God is when we first come to him. Who is God? Well, I have no idea. I've got a form of view of him. I've actually got to have a revelation. And I can't just project onto him what I think he is. 
he's got to show me who he is. Because that's the true picture of who God is. So I want to grow my faith. And then I want to walk in power and authority. Because now as I start to grow as a believer, I now realize that God's put in my hand the sword of the Spirit. He's put in my hand. Jesus died on a cross and rose again. And then he's seated in the right hand of the Father. And he said, all power and authority have been given to me, but you are complete in him, Paul says. He's given you authority to walk in this earth. It doesn't mean that everything goes well. What it does mean, though, is that God will speak to you and place in your hand the tools that you need to fight and win every battle. Fight and win. Who wants to fight and win in 2023? Yeah, absolutely. Because the enemies will come. Jesus said, in this world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So there is a victory in the heart of God that he wants to place in us. And we're going to teach us how to fight. There is a power and authority in your life. You have it now, actually, but it sits there a little bit latent, meaning it's just idle. You haven't drawn on it. You don't know how to use it, perhaps. But God wants to show you how to use that and how to use it with him and with his blessing. And then, of course, there's this idea of living in friendship with God. The Bible says really clearly that Moses and God talk together face to face like a friend talks, talk, like, a, like a man talks to his friend. God called Moses his friend. What an incredible, incredible thing of all the titles you could get in life. You might be sitting here and you might be the CEO of the global conglomerate of blah, blah, blah. That's what, and that's great. Congratulations. You've worked hard. No doubt you're an excellent leader. But there'll be no greater title. You could be the Prime Minister of Australia. At times that feels like a curse, I'm sure, to the guy that has it. And at other times I'm sure it's a blessing. You could be the captain of the Australian cricket team. Whatever you think the great titles are of life, you could have them all. But if God says you're my friend, you've got the greatest. It's the greatest title of all. The friendship of God. All right, let's jump into this. We'll go back to the first one, our first level of winning our fight. And it's in verse 3. If you turn to verse 3, you'll see that Moses actually says this, Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. The snare of the fowler. What is the snare of the fowler and what is the perilous pestilence? It's very precise what God is saying. Well, the fowler is uh, a bird catcher. Birds get caught because they leave the security of the air where they have strong wings and they walk on spindly little legs that they're never designed for. Birds aren't designed to walk on terra firma. Birds are designed to fly in the air. All their muscles are in their wings. Why would birds leave the air to walk on the ground so that fowlers can catch them? Because the fowler can't reach into the air. If the bird stays in the air, he's safe. He leaves because the bait that's in the trap attracts him. And so he leaves the safety of what he's designed to do and because of the attraction or the appetite that's in his soul, he comes down for the bait and is caught. It's a picture of our life. We leave what we're designed for because there's something in us that desires something that's a bait to us, but it's actually not what we need. We think it's what we want. We're attracted to it, but it's a bait. It's a trap of the enemy. It's the snare of the fowler. What's the perilous pestilence? That's a strange word. In fact, it's a tongue twister, really. I've been practicing all week. Perilous pestilence. 
What's a pestilence? I don't think we need much explanation on that these days. It's an infection. It's a pandemic. It's a global pandemic. We know what it is. It's, an, it's basically things you catch by association. Things you catch. There are people that are in your life. There are situations that are in your life. There are circumstances in your life that are actually doing you harm. You're learning things. You're, you're reacting to things. There is a, you're caught in a habit pattern because of the associations that are around us. How do our lives get caught in traps? Because of the appetites inside us or the associations around us. And the message that Moses is trying to get across to us is simply this. What's in you can hurt you. What's in you can hurt you. And God wants to cure that. He wants to heal that. He wants to show you. He wants to open your eyes to the traps that are around you that you're falling into. And he wants to say, hey, see what's happening? I want to show you a different way. Sometimes the things that we think are traps, we don't realize they're traps. They're appetites inside our soul. They're places we hide. They're distractions. They're things that we do to medicate ourselves, whether that be a movie that you need to keep watching over and over again, whether it's just a, a place you go in your head, it's your quiet, you just withdraw and don't talk and disappear from people, and you know, whether it's other substances that, that you use, moods you get in, things we draw strength from that actually aren't helping us prosper. Appetites. So appetites aren't necessarily just you know, stuff. You know, when we say appetite, people say, oh, well, you know, you're talking drugs, are you, and alcohol. No, I'm not just talking about that. There are lots of things, patterns that we follow that aren't actually helping us succeed in life. God wants to help us with those things. Appetites and associations. You were born to fly. You were born to fly. Moses had a picture of the fact that that's a problem for the human heart, but you're actually born to fly. We're going to find in the secret place the keys from God about how to fly again. What were you designed to be? What's the pattern that he's given you for your life, your personality, your type? What's the most flourishing way you could live? God's got, already got a picture of that for you. He wants to show you. Where do you find it? In the secret place. All right, let's go to the next one, level two, the growing your faith. Growing your faith. As you become free in your soul, now we grow our faith. We break the power of fear. Let's have a look in verses 5 to 8 where Moses is speaking about this. He says, You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. All of these things mean something. We'll come back to it. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes will you look and see the reward of the wicked. There are three types of fear known to the human heart. And Moses captures it perfectly here. This is before psychologists came along and wrote manuals. Moses had a glimpse of this from God. God taught him the way of the human soul. Firstly, it's the enemies you imagine. So these aren't real enemies. These are the ones we imagine are our enemies. These are the terrors by night. The night terrors, the stuff that we imagine is going to happen, that could happen. Maybe it'll happen. What if? What if it happens? What if this happens to me? What if that happens to me? What if that happens? Let me think about that for a while. Let me dwell on that for a while. Let me become obsessed with that so that I, all I can think about is the thing that might happen. Enemies that you imagine. 
The second enemy is real enemies that you can't see. So these are enemies that do exist. They're the arrows that fly by day. They're the infections that hide in darkness that he's talking about. Arrows are being fired by real enemies. You can imagine if you were in battle in that time, you'd, all you'd hear is, Soop! go past you. Ooh, what was that? A real enemy shot that. But I didn't see it coming. I'm afraid. Things are lurking around. The enemy is shooting at me, but I can't see where it is. And so fear rises in my heart and I'm concerned for my safety. And then there's another enemy. These are the enemies that you can see. This is where he's talking about the destruction by day. In other words, you're in the battle. You're watching what's happening. People around you are falling. It's, it, there, there's a challenge going on. We're under attack. I know I'm in a, I can know the enemy is, is fighting me. I know I'm in a battle. I'm seeing other people battle it. And I'm afraid for my future. Enemies I can't see, enemies I can see, and enemies I imagine. And Moses is saying all of that fear is going to hold you back from trusting in a God that's got you, that will walk with you. Where will I find the breakthrough? He says, well, in the secret place you'll find the breakthrough. What's, what happens in the secret place? Go back with me to verse Verse 1 and 2, he says, He dwells in the secret place of the Most High, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What does it sound like if you're a person that abides under the shadow of the Almighty? What does the voice of faith sound like? It sounds like this. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So the voice of faith that gets generated in the secret place is the voice that sees God as a fortress. He is my fortress and he is my refuge. What's the difference? Well, my refuge is the place I hide when I need to rest. It's the place I get renewed. It's the place I need to go to to just get my wounds just with mercurochrome. Ow. I need to rest. I need to lie down, I need food, I need water, I need sustenance, I need comfort and encouragement from people, from God, the refuge of God. What's the fortress of God? Well, the fortress is where I fight from. The fortress is where my armaments are, it's where my embattlements are, it's where my, my weaponry is, it's where the artillery is. So when it's time to fight, God will fight. I can hide in him, but he will fight for me. That's what the voice of faith sounds like. That's why I can overcome fear, because he's my refuge and my fortress. He will fight for me when it's time to fight. Oh, but I'm not so convinced yet. My heart says, no, no, God, I, I can't really rely on you yet. Leave it to me. I'll fix it. You, you're invisible. God, you're up there in the heavens somewhere. I, I don't know. Can you really see what's going on down here? I, I don't know. Maybe you're a bit distracted. You've got a whole world to run. I'm, I'm just here. Uh, you, I'm, you just leave it with me. I'll sort it. And so we battle on without him. We, we don't even give him a minute. Why, why take it to the secret place? God, I'll just look after it myself. What hasn't happened is we haven't learned the patterns of surrender. We haven't learned how to come to the secret place and God, God, I, I surrender to you. You see what's happening. See, the heart that's able to surrender to the God is a heart that's in love with God because the more you love Him, the more you'll surrender to Him. 
Because his love will affirm to you that he's with you. The voices inside the human heart wants to constantly say, God, don't you get it? God, can't you see? God, why aren't you listening? God, God, God. And it's, we're accusing God of things that are completely opposite to his nature. God's voice is coming back to us saying, I do see. Calm down. I'm with you. I see what's happening. You want to do this, but I want you to do that. But until you stop thinking you've got to go that way, I can't talk to you. You're not listening to me. You've got to take the noise down so God can say, actually, the answer is to do this. Remember in the Old Testament, story after story after story, they'd go into battle and God would say crazy things to them. What we think is crazy things. We're going to take Jericho, Joshua. Right, well, let's get everything sharpened up. Let's get the, all the armor, the spears, the swords. How many have we got? Number them off. One, two, three, up to as many as we can get. That's great. Who's been trained? Who hasn't been trained? Let's get the, everything, the inventory done. Let's get battle. Everyone run around the block. We're going to get as fit as we can because we're going to go into battle. God says, yeah, that's all very good. What I want you to do is walk around the thing with the musicians at the front blowing the bugle. Moses, I mean, Joshua goes back to the war manual and says, blowing the bugle, how does that work in defeating the enemy and dropping down the big wall? Blowing the blue bugle. How loud can you blow that thing, fella? Can you get the reverberations going? Because we need to get the shock waves to... No, that's what we're going to do. Okay, we're going to do that every day for six days. On the seventh day, we're going to do it seven times, just in case you didn't get it the first time. Right, eh? That's the plan, right? Could you imagine the meeting between Joshua and his generals? Right, eh? Joshua's a brand new leader. Moses is dead. Remember Mo- oh, Moses? Oh, there's no one like Moses. Moses. Oh, he was a great leader, Moses. Oh, here comes Joshua. Hi, folks. I'm glad you're here. Have a seat. You want to eat a coffee? No, we're all good. I've been with the Lord. The Lord said to me, this is what we're going to do. Before you talk, Joshua, I've got a plan. I am the director of uh, artillery and uh, forward advancement, and I've done my work. I've sat with my underlings, and we've come up with this plan, and it's uh, like this on A3 paper. I printed it out in triplicate for everybody to have a look at, and uh, let's go through it. No, before you do, God's given me a plan. Oh, yes. What do you know, Joshua? Are you uh, a young thing of 80 years of age? How many young things of 80 years of age have we got in the room? (laughs) Not too many. Okay. We're going to walk around the outside of the uh, said citadel and we're going to blow our trumpet. That's it. <laughs> if you're looking for the rest of the plan, that's it. Anyhow, you understand what I'm trying to say. I'd love to keep going down that theatrics, but it's nuts and yet it's God. Huh? And see, that's what God's trying to do. What's fear all about? Fear is our plan. We've got it together. We're going to keep it together. How will I give up the inner part of my life, this inner part? How will I keep it tender before God so that I can hear his voice and just do what he says? When I think I've got to fight, he might be saying it's time to rest. When I think it's time to rest, he might say it's time to fight. He might actually take take something completely different. I have found this in God. I don't know about you, but I'm over here fighting this battle and I come to him in the secret place and I'm desperate and I surrender to him and he says, yes, that's, I understand that, but I need you to forgive Fred. 
God, I don't have time to forgive Fred right now. I've got to go and fight. We've got a church to grow. We've got to lie. We've got to, we've got to solve some problems. God, I need some answers over here. No, no, what I want you to do, trust me with that, but I go and forgive Fred. Oh, I can't do that right now. That would just take so much emotional energy. I want you to forgive Fred. You go, how does that help? Well, it's the plan of God. I don't always know, but I find I do what he wants me to do, and then over here this seems to work out because I'm, he's my refuge and my fortress. That's why it matters. Let's go to the next one. Otherwise, I'll burn all my time on the uh, needless theatrics of the preacher up here. Uh, let's go to the next part of this little table. If we could jump there, team. The next uh, little slide. If it were, ah. Walk in power and authority. We defeat our enemies. And then God says, well, I want you to live in friendship with me. I want you to live in friendship with me. There's a key that he's placed in verse 4. I'm going to bounce back a bit, those of you that are on the slides there. In verse 4, he says this, He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings he will take refuge. Moses knew exactly what God was talking about in that imagery. We're not so clear because we haven't come up through the teaching and through the, the law of Moses that was there. But for Moses, this was really clear imagery. This wasn't talking about birds. This was talking about heavenly artifacts. And you've got to go back to Exodus 25 and verse 17. And as a, in Exodus 25, God gives Moses a plan for the Ark of the Covenant. And I've got a picture. I'd like to pop it up on the screen. The Ark of the Covenant looked like this. And so it was built to a specific measurement, to a specific plan. And this was where the presence of God was in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle of Moses. And so when he's talking about under the wings and the feathers, he's talking about these two Elohim that's here. They're not angels. It's the God the Father, God the Son. And then there's another space in the middle which is blank. And so what he's saying is there's a meeting place that I want you to meet with me. And if you read Exodus 25, he's talking about the meeting place that sits above the mercy seat, but under the wings of the Elohim, under the Godhead. And the concept in this is so deep and powerful, it almost needs two hours to preach it, to really unpack it. But it's actually a meeting place where the Father and the Son above the mercy seat, and inside that great big tub there, that great big box, is the law. It's the, it's the handwritten tablets of stone. Well, actually, it was the one that Moses did in the end because Moses broke the ones that, uh, that God gave him. But they're, they're the hand of, of God in there. It's the law of God. It's the word of God. Okay, what does it mean to us today? The word of God is Jesus himself. It's the promise of our standing before God. It is the promise that Jesus is our right standing before God. Because of Jesus, you have a relationship with God. And there is a mercy seat that sits on top of the principle that Jesus is your saviour. And that mercy seat, God's saying, I don't want you to sit on the mercy seat. I want you to meet me in the space above it. What's in the space? The space is the spirit of God. 
who forms within you truth. He takes the word of God that's written and he places it in your heart as a pliable faith. And you get something from God that no one can take off you. You can forget a scripture, but you'll never forget something God taught you. You'll never forget it. I remember as a young man starting out preaching, I was invited to go and do a youth camp somewhere. And I went there hoping that God would move. And I was only 19, 20, something like that. And I'd prepared for weeks. To, these poor people were going to get it for, like, I had three sessions to do and I'd prepared and prepared and prepared. I look back and think, how on earth do people even sit there? But anyhow. And I went to preach. And, but my heart was, God, I just want you to touch people. I really, I, I know I've got to speak, but I just want you to touch this one and that one and that one and that one. And so I was starting out, I was preaching on Joshua, as it turned out, and I still remember the message. And I was preaching on Joshua about God, well, God can do the impossible. And I'm about halfway through. There's about 40 young people sitting there. We're at the back of Boona under this, this kind of house. It was hot as anything. It was January. And I'm preaching away. And the leaders are all sitting in the front. The kids are all sitting behind, distracted. They're talking while I'm preaching. Like, it's fantastic. And while I'm preaching, this woman in the front row stands to her feet and she goes, oh, like that. And I said, are you okay? Like, it's not the right time for that, (laughs) but okay. She said, I've got heat going up and down my back just constantly. I said, really? Uh, Do you have something wrong with your back? She said, I can hardly move. When I came here, I was thinking I shouldn't even be here. But she said, as as you've been preaching, it's got so bad I have to stand and move because it's so hot in my back. I said, wow. Well, why don't you, and and my head is spinning. I don't know what to say now because there's no notes and whatever. I said, well, what couldn't you do? She said, well, I couldn't touch my toes. I said, well, try. So she bent over and touched her toes. I said, was there any pain? She said, not one, not one bit of pain. I said, well, isn't that good? And then the whole room now who wants listening to me preach at all are now looking at this woman saying, wow. And now in my head I'm going, now what do I do now, God? I don't know what to do because I haven't written a script for this. And I said, well, maybe we should pray for some more people. What a genius I am. Let's pray for some more people. God's here. Who else has got pain in their body? A couple of people put their hand up. Well, we're going to pray for you. People got healed, people got healed, people got healed. It's amazing. You say, what's the point of this story? See, in the space, God teaches you lots of things. I learned that day that God will use me to pray for the sick. Now, you say, oh, it's in the Bible, isn't it? He's told us to go and pray for the sick. Yes, it is. But there's a big difference between it's in the Bible to God showing up and showing you that he wants to use you. That's very different. He showed up that day and said, I want to use you. And I said, well, God, what have I got to do to, be, to do that with you? He says, just trust me. Now, that message is just fused into my soul. Because why? Go back to our little screen if we could. Because above the message, no, the, the other one, the um, Ark of the Covenant. Above the word of the Lord, which says we should lay hands on the sick, 
under the hand of the Father and the Son, where the Spirit speaks, there was a word that got written in my heart because I met him there. Now, I didn't know I was meeting him there, but he taught me that's where you meet him. You meet him in the place of surrender. You meet him in the space. You meet him in the place where you don't know what to do, but then he speaks. And now you know what to do, but the word gets written in your heart like chiseled. That's the word becoming flesh. That's what Moses discovered. Before Paul wrote the word, before John wrote the words, the word became flesh and dwelt amongst men, he was already learning how to make the word become flesh. He called it the secret place. It's the same thing for you and me. That's what friendship with God is about. Friendship with God is I'm not just learning about God, I'm now learning God himself and the relationship between you and him. That's why the secret place matters. It's not another name for quiet time. Like, It's important you have quiet time. And out of your quiet time, God will speak. But this is not about quiet time. This is about the meeting place. It's the place of exchange, where you stay in the place of exchange until something's been exchanged. If I've still got fear in my heart, then I haven't really exchanged my fear for faith, have I? I've got a promise for it. God said I can have it, but I haven't got it yet. So it's sitting in the place of it's going to happen, but it just hasn't happened. Now that's the place we've got to hang in there. That's the place you've got to wait for God. You've got to keep saying, he is my refuge and my fortress. Is he? Well, then I better wait for him. No, but I, 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 need, no, I better wait for him. I better wait for him. The secret place. The secret place of God. And then just to finish this last part, I love this, verse 14. To 16. This is the only time in Psalm 91 where the whole tense changes, the voicing changes. Moses is writing right up to verse 13. This is what you do. This is what happens. If you do this, this will happen. If you do this, this will happen. Until you get to verse 14, and now it's God speaking. If you'll notice in your Bible, it's got italics. And it changes. And now it's coming from authority. And the words are, because he has set his love on me. God speaking. If you notice, the he is a little h. It is in my Bible. He set his love on me, capital M. Because he has set his love on me, therefore I will deliver him. What's happened? I've moved from knowing about God. I'm not, God is not the, the angry school headmaster in the sky. God is not this person that created the world but has nothing to do with my life. I've moved together with him and I've started to fuse my life and so now there's a love relationship between me and him. Now, now I'm hearing these words from God. Now he's already speaking them over you but now I'm hearing them. Why is that important for me to hear them? Because it'll encourage me when I need it. It'll encourage me. You say, yes God, but it's not happening quick enough. God says, your timing but it is happening right on my time. Because he's placed his love on me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high. Because he's known my name, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. What a great promise to hear from God. When I call on him, he will answer me. 
Now, you might have to call on him and call on him and call on him. You say, why am I doing that? Is it because God's deaf? No, I just have to keep reminding my heart he's heard me. As soon as I know he's heard me, I'm good. As soon as I know he's heard me. Can you see the difference here? See, if, if I know God's heard me, I can rest in the fact that his character is good. He will respond. This is the confidence we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, then we have the confidence we will get the desires of our heart. That's not how it finishes, but you know what that scripture is. There's something we get from God. There's a confidence that comes to us when we know God's heard us. That's why this last part is so important. He shall call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. That's the promise of God. I want to hear that all the time from God. Don't you? Isn't that a good thing to hear? Psalm 91, can I encourage you? Study it. Listen to it. Let God speak to you through it. Can I just pray? Father, we, there's such depth to your word and to this journey we do with you. God, we get so good at reading the outward signs. But God, would you teach us to live in the inner world of your voice and your spirit. God, that we would learn to rest and find refuge. But we'd also learn to rest and find the fortress as well where you fight for us. God, where we would hear your voice so clearly on our hearts and our confidence that God is with us would be so strong. This year, we pray, God, new habits. Help us with new patterns of thought and mind. Help us face our enemies and win. Lord, where we need to change associations, shift the culture we're in, the stuff we're allowing to speak into our lives, God, give us the courage to shift it. God, where there's appetites in our hearts that we've battled with for many years, God, let this be the year, Father, where we give it to you. Teach us, God, how to be free in our inner world. Put faith in our heart today. God, one of the great accolades we hope to hear always is that we are your friend. God, even though it's, it's true, God, let us hear it again and be encouraged by that message. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness and goodness to us. In Jesus' name. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.